0: I know, man, I walk in here some days, I'm like, God, I need you to speak to me just special today. And I've found that he just meets me every single time in a unique way here in this place, through some of y'all, through the word, whatever it is, through worship. And so right where you are, would you just ask God to speak to you? Uh, What do you you need from him? Tell him, tell him your heart, be honest with him. He sees more more than I think we see of ourselves. So tell him what's on your heart and maybe ask him to reshape what's needing reshaped. Move where's needed moved. <sighs> all right, Lord. We're just asking that you speak to all of us in the room, me included. We're gonna open up your word. And Father, I... As I open my mouth, God, I pray that it would be just your words. These are not my ideas, they're yours. So God, speak to each one of us in the way that we need spoken to, me included. And God, illuminate our hearts to see like you. God, give us boldness to move in ways maybe we've never moved in all of our life. And Lord, I pray for victory. That's the word on my heart, your place on my heart, God, for victory in our life today that we would see a great battle won in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you got your Bible, own me in Romans 12. And uh, I'll tell you how I got here in Romans 12 because we're gonna start in verse 14 and then we're gonna go to verse 21. But um, as I was thinking about Father's Day, every, I, I think, I think, I'm gonna project for a second. I feel like every dad in the room loves a good fight. Not a fight, listen, look. Not, not with the wives, no, 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 no. Not with the kids, but we love a good fight. Whether you wanna be, you're gonna be in a fight, some of us like to be in a fight, that's okay. Some of us like to watch a fight or maybe it's not just like a boxing match UFC fight, but maybe it's like a competition fight, a struggle and a victory and a defeat. Maybe you like a football game, that's the same thing, a fight, maybe you like soccer, baseball, whatever it is, golf, I like to see the struggle And a victory. I like to see somebody overcome the odds. And so today, I want to talk about this victory that each one of us can have. Here's going to be another preface. The past, like, I don't know, I feel like since COVID, every conversation, not every, many conversations, I have with a lot of people, they say, it just feels like evil is winning. Darkness is getting darker. Now, Jesus said things are gonna get more and more tough, okay, I get it. But in Romans 12, we're giving a plan for how we are to overcome evil, how evil can actually be overcome. And that's what I wanna look at that passage today. So if you got your scripture, we're gonna turn to Romans 12, start in verse 14, go to 21, and then we'll go from there, okay? We good? Let's do this. Are we ready for the word? I'm at, Let's go. Yes, come on. And listen, as I, as I shared today, if I'm just going to say it, like, if you think that's awesome, you can be like, yes, I agree. If you think that's not, you can stand up and say, hold up. I need some clarification on that, okay? I don't even care. Like, we can have a conversation. We're totally fine with that here, okay? So Romans 12, verse 14, it says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And does that give anybody comfort in the room today? You just feel like you need to repay somebody and you hear these words like God's like, "Yo, oh, I got it. Okay, God. Yeah, you better. To the contrary, listen to this though. Instead, this is the total opposite. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will keep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Whoa. I feel like a lot of times we read a passage like this, and it's almost like so lofty and profound, like so beyond where like, that's impossible. So like, I just admire it from afar. Anybody, you know what I mean? You look at that and you're like, great. I don't know, show of hands, but as I read this, I was like, you know what I don't do every day? Think about, man, when I wake up, I'm about to go to work and see evil overcome and I'm gonna see good triumph. And here's how I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna bless the heck out of everybody in my life. I'm just not waking up thinking that, Anybody? Because I've, I know this verse, read it a million times, but it's almost so far out there, I'm just like, let it be, <laughs> you know, whatever. But that is not exactly what this is talking about. You know, most world religions will tell you some code of morality. And we talked about this last week through the story of Nicodemus, that the gospel is far from morality because we look at a guy's life who was absolutely moral, amazing, and yet Jesus tells him, hey, you need to start over, and everything you've done doesn't matter. You've got to be born again. So this whole thing isn't about morality, but Jesus, when you think about it, really goes beyond and outside all of the other religions when he says, hey, what happens when somebody breaks the code of morality we have? What happens? What are you to do? Exact repayment? oh, turn the other cheek and do nothing. No, he says, we're gonna step in and bless the people who hurt us, who are evil toward us. We're gonna bless them in many ways. We will bless and we will not curse. Y'all, that is radical teaching. Bizarre on many fronts. But I think oftentimes as well as this being kind of out there and a lofty goal, it's also really confused. This passage is confused. When we read it, and so today I wanna to unpack this a little bit and help us not be confused by this because Jesus' words are mirrored by Paul right here. And he says the very same, don't repay evil, but overcome evil with good. So today, here's what I want to do. I want to talk about what, what it is, how, and why. And today, I want to talk about what it is to overcome evil with good and how we can see and experience victory today. That's what I want to talk about, okay? So if you think that evil is triumphing today, and maybe it feels like it's triumphing in your life, we want to look at this passage and get, gain wisdom and understanding of how we're to move in these days. All right. So first, what? But before I say what, let's talk about what it's not. What is this not? The word overcome does not mean something passive. Now, a lot of times when we read this or we hear the words of Jesus that like somebody strikes you on the cheek, you were to turn the other cheek and it's this passive move where we end up doing nothing. We stuff our emotions and we stuff our feelings and we just take it because it's what we good people do. We're nice, you know? That's not what this is really talking about. This is talking about something far different. Um, The word word overcome is actually a military word. And actually, it's like a violent word of, of triumphing and winning a victory, like to step in offensively and move powerfully. So what we're encouraged to do is to step in and overcome evil by doing what is good. And as we do, we're going to burn or pour burning coals on someone's head. That is a move of power, is it not? But that word, put burning coals on somebody's head, here's what it's doing. It's the alarm signal for somebody else that's what it means to pour burning coals on someone's head It is a wake up alarm for that person. You see, when I step in and somebody does evil against me and I return evil for evil, evil multiplies. But when I step in, somebody does evil to me and I extend goodness, has anybody ever done this in your life to you? You're taken back, you're shot. And for me in my life, when this has happened, it was almost as if there was a mirror put up in front of my face and I saw my reflection very clearly. And I was like, I'm not like you. What am I? Why did I do that? Has anybody ever experienced that? When somebody's like met you in your grossest point and did the exact opposite of what you have done. And you're like, you are different. And it hurt me deeper than, than anything's ever hurt. And it moved me more than I've ever been moved. But when it says to put burning coals on somebody's head, it is the alarm signal for them to wake up. And here's the beautiful thing. If you meet evil with good and they wake up, then they can wake up and be transformed and change and move in the same direction and see evil overcome through their life as well. So today we want to talk about what it is to overcome evil. And so what is it not? It is not passive Overcoming evil is an active move. And as we move actively, we're gonna see alarm bells in people's life who have begun to participate in evil. You overcome any evil by destroying their power. So how do we do this? Let's step into the the how. And this passage tells us four things for how. Four things for. For how? Number one, he says, hate evil. Number two, be humble. Number three, blessing words. Number four, have a forgiving heart. How do we step into this? Number one, how are we gonna do this? And uh, number one, hate evil. Now, this isn't in the passage that I read, but just a couple verses before it is. In verse nine, it says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil hold fast to what is good. That word abhor means like horror. And some translations say hate, but that the better, maybe a better word is like horror. Have horror for evil. Now, how do we see Jesus have horror for like a for evil in his life? You see Jesus actually get pretty hacked off. Maybe you felt like that we're not allowed to be angry over evil in the world. Jesus does not model that life for us, actually. He gets pretty hacked off. But what Jesus does is oftentimes a little bit different than we expect. Think about how he gets angry. Literally, he says like he snorts in anger in some translations. He's angry at the temple when people are holding the common folk back from stepping in and worshiping his father. He's he gets angry over hardened hearts. And if I remember, it's over children being demon-possessed. He's hacked off with the families who are letting this happen. They're like, man, you're not stepping in their life. Seeing freedom. Jesus gets angry with death at the point of Lazarus, right? He's mad over the evil of death. But why, why is Jesus angry over the evils of death? Why? Why anger? Because he is good. Because he's good. Here's what I mean by that. Mom, dad, you love your kid, right? And the more you love your kid, you are hacked off with a thing that comes against them to make them not good, right? Any parent understand that? Somebody wants to come into your kid's life and take life from them and you know it's not gonna be the best for their life. You're gonna step in and you're gonna... No, I'm, come on now, you yeah? know? Come on, mama bears, you know what I mean? Like, no, not my boy. Mm. I know my mama Jen, you know, she seems sweet, but the only time I ever seen her get hacked was somebody messing her kids. She goes and step up, boom. I'll laugh, you know, yeah, you know. <laughs> oh, she'll, go to, she'll go to war, but the, the war in her is because she loves her kids. And the more you love your kids... The more you're gonna step up and defend and have righteous, and it's right because you want the best for them. And you know, some people don't want the best for them. So when Jesus steps in, he comes against death because he's angry, but he loves everybody so much, he comes in a little bit angry at the thing that's coming against them, death. When want to hold people back from worshiping the father. That's not right. I'm stepping in and I'm gonna do something. And so listen, man, in these days where people are saying, it's time to be passive, We're to step in and have righteous indignation for the things that are against God's heart. So we gotta have a hatred for evil. But listen, not a worldly hatred, a righteous indignation, a righteous anger. And unless you can have a righteous anger in your heart, you can't step forward and see victory in the evil place. You will only multiply it. So let's keep going and figure out what this looks like as we step forward into seeing victory. Number two, how do we do this? We gotta be humble. Verse 15, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You see a humble heart, listen to this, a humble heart can be present with you in your sorrow and in your happiness. A lot of people just struggle to rejoice with those who are happy because your happiness reminds me of my unhappiness. So I can't rejoice with you. Or the person who's weeping, we come from this higher position of going, I know the way, the way you don't have to be weeping anymore. I could fix your life. Let me tell you how to do that. No, no, a a humble heart steps in and gets present with the person right where they are. And if somebody is rejoicing, rejoice. I got no ego in this. If somebody's down, I don't have to do say anything. I just gotta be with you. I'm just gonna be present with you in the moment. I'm gonna weep with you when you weep and I'm gonna be sad because I'm gonna feel your pain because I'm in it with you. Only a humble heart can be present in the moment. But humility is also a turn the other cheek attitude. It isn't, but as we look at this word to turn the other cheek, Oftentimes, I think I've taught it wrong. As I looked at that passage, I thought about this fist fight. And if I was go down to the store and somebody was just like, no, let's, let's go. I'm like, man, like I got to get hit. And then just be like, well, did that, like, here's my other one, you know. And I'm like, I'm going to go down. It's going to be a rough situation here, you know. Star is going to capture a great video of this. But. That's not really what it's saying, literally to be smacked. Like if I'm going to come into a fight and it's like somebody slaps me in the cheek, I'm going to be like, number one, that's a bad fight move, guys. Like we're just not going to step in with a slap. You know, that's weird. You're going to go in for the death blow, right, if you're going to really fight. But that's not what this verse is saying. So he says if somebody slaps you in the cheek, offer him the other one. So as you understand what this passage actually means, it literally means somebody insulting you. your face. It's somebody close in your life who stepped very close enough and slapped you offensively to say, this is my offense against you. And at that moment, we are not taught to passively turn the other cheek and walk away. We're taught to actually step in and step toward and offering them the other one to say, did that benefit your life? Was that helpful to you? But it is not a call of passivity to step away and have nothing to say. It is to step forward and have something to say and offer them the other side. So in humility, I'm gonna be present and I'm gonna be somebody who turns the other cheek. And as we turn the other cheek, here's what we're saying to the person in our life who slapped us. I'm here to stay and I want to reestablish a relationship. (sighs) Come on now. Anybody been slapped? Maybe not physically, but like verbally assaulted. And you're to step forward and try to reestablish a relationship. But here's what I want to pause because the Bible is also very realistic because what this says is as far as depends upon you be at peace with all men here's the reality some people are not going to receive a blessing among a curse they're still not going to be changed they're going to keep hating you and so what the bible allows us to do we're going to step forward offer the other cheek but if some people don't step in with peace about you look You've done all you can. You offered yourself up. You stepped to reestablish a relationship and you got rejected. The Bible at that point says, as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. Now, if they come back and want to make right, we also know the battle here. Ego can step in now. Because I tried a bunch of times and oh, now on your time, right? Oh, now you're going to come back and be okay with everything. No. At every point, we're ready to reestablish a relationship, maybe with some boundaries and that's not a problem, okay? I'm not saying foolishly. But I think probably the hardest thing for me when somebody is slapping me, it's the embarrassment that my ego feels. Um, It's the embarrassment that I feel in a public setting. And so as the goal of stepping forward, is really to say, I'm not here to embarrass you as I've been embarrassed. My goal is to lift you up and make you look good. This is is the teaching of Jesus, radical. And this is Paul's words to Rome. All right, the third thing. So first, uh, the first thing is hate evil. The second thing is let's have a humble heart, be humble. And the third thing is blessing words. Verse 14, bless and do not curse. The word curse is not necessarily like a cuss word. That's not what it really means. The word curse is like a cut. Somebody ever cut you with a word? If maybe you're not a fighter, you don't want to slap back, you're not going to be physical, but it's easy to get just really sharp with your tongue, cut back. Instead of of cursing to somebody who's been cutting to you, we're going to be blessing instead of cursing. Now, I think of the story of David and Saul. David was a young guy serving under a really cruel king. If you've read the story, you know that David, man, served this guy faithfully, showed up to work every day, early, there on every single call. And yet, this old man is throwing a spear at this young guy, running him out of town, sharing rumors about him. And finally, when David gets the chance to really exact revenge on this guy, and I'm going to say, like, after you read the story, you'd be like, "Man, I, I think I would, I would do him in. I'd like finish him off." You know, <laughs> this many times? No way. But David shows up and he cuts a little piece off of his garment and he meets Saul. He doesn't run away. He meets Saul in the danger says, hey, Saul, I had the opportunity and I'm gonna tell you the truth. I had the opportunity to do something that you've done to me and I chose not to because here's what I wanna affirm about you. He affirms the truth and a word of blessing is the truth and an affirmation to lift higher, So when we use our words to be a blessing to somebody, we're affirming the truth about them. Here's what David said. Saul, you are God's anointed king and I will not come against God because I know who you are. What does the word say that we are? We are made in the very image of likeness of God. Every man, every woman, whether they know it or not, They are made in the image of God. So why I will not come against you? Because you are made in the image of my God who loves you so much. And if he loves you and died for you, I'm willing to do the same because he did it for me. I'm here for you. Do you see what that would do? Those words that would combat evil. Oh, the alarm bells are ringing on some of our hearts now. The fourth thing, the fourth thing. And man, I think this is, One of the hardest things, the fourth thing that this passage tells us is to have a forgiving heart. Have a forgiving heart. So, number one, hate evil. Two, let's be humble. Three, blessing words. Four, have a forgiving heart. What is a forgiving heart? Um, Forgiveness is a payment thing. Do you remember like a few weeks ago for weeks in a row, I had the scale up here? Forgiveness is a payment thing. So what do we do when the scales of our relationship are out of balance? The temptation is to exact a debt and bring those things back to balance. What this passage is inviting us into is to get your hand off the scale of exacting debts. Surrender the exaction of debt to the judge who's wise enough to judge the people in their life. We are not wise enough to exact debts. I don't know and I don't have the view that God has. So when he says, have a forgiving heart, he said in this passage, vengeance is mine. And look, what does it say next? I will repay. Y'all, would you let that wash over your heart? some of us in the room who need healing for forgiveness, what if you just surrendered that debt up to God and let him deal with it? Let's let him be the perfect judge because here's what I have often in my life. Somebody will come to me and they'll be like, man, so-and-so did this. And I mean, their story, I've heard horrific things, terrible things. And, and you know I have to tell them every single time, hey, listen, until you let that thing go, That person has a power in your life and an authority that you have allowed them to hold and have. You must let go in order for you to get free from them. You think you have something on them? No, they have something on you. Let it go so you can be free. Do you need freedom today? Let God be the one who exacts the debt. And I promise you, he will do it far better than you. And this is going to heal your heart and your life if you let God be the debt collector. None of us can be a debt collector. But forgiveness is granted often before it's felt. It's a choice. It doesn't feel good to sometimes forgive because my ego has been too wounded but God, often, when we take that step of faith, God meets us right where we are. All right, you say, but Jay, look, and we're coming to the end, we're wrapping things up. So if the band, y'all, y'all can come up, y'all are here. But if you're sitting there and you're thinking, all right, Jay, this passage is great, very challenging, possible for Jesus, not me. Good luck, Jesus. Jesus and I'll praise him for doing it, okay? But the reality, the reality is this is possible through his power that's available to each one of us in the room. And I want to look at a a person named Stephen because Stephen is the church's very first martyr. And Stephen steps forward when everyone is persecuting him. That are about to kill him, and he steps forward boldly, telling the Israelites who they really are and what they're really called to. And as those stones begin to throw, the man who wrote this passage I'm reading is standing there. It says that his garments were the garments were placed at his feet. He's the witness. And when you just talk about burning coals, I believe that like. Paul is telling us, yo, I experienced this moment where burning coals are put in my head. The mirror is placed up before me and I go, this guy was different because here's what Stephen stepped up and said, father, forgive these people. They don't know what they're doing. I put my life there. I started thinking about Stephen for a second. I'm like, can you imagine y'all as you step forward in the face of evil, man, I'm thinking about my family. What's my family going to do? What's my kids going to do? What's the church going to do? What will people do? What will my friends do without me? Man, I, like how am I family going to survive? But what's on Stephen's mind doesn't even make sense in the moment. He steps forward and he's like, man, I'm, I'm only concerned about these people who are killing me right now. And so I'm going to give to them what my Savior gave to me. Father, forgive them. I don't even get what they're doing. They don't even know. And a young Saul or Paul stands there and watches upon this moment. Why the heck would we step in and even care to do that? I believe it's found in verse one of Romans 12. And the NIV translation says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, listen to this, in view of God's mercy. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You see, when you look at the cross, you have all that you need to accomplish this victory. But when the cross is not in full view, that means something else has our full view. And when something else has our full view, that something else has been given authority and power in our life. And if it's not enough to give life away, then it's not enough for us. And so what this passage pulls us into, guys, some of us have to change, change our view. And maybe if you're being overcome by evil and it's multiplying in your life and your life is producing evil in other people's lives, maybe, maybe you need that experience of hope today. Maybe you need that experience of goodness today. You'd be like, hey, that'd be great. But you know what, Jay? Nobody's stepping into my world and doing good in the face of my evil. I'm just getting paid back all the time and so tough. Where's people now? Like, where's the good people in my life showing up? I need the life transformation. Your victory against evil depends upon your view of God's mercy, not your view of what those other people are in your life. Some of us need a transformation of view. I'm gonna ask. I heard this example. I'm gonna finish with this. When a giant tree needs to have a branch grafted into it, the deeper the cut into that tree makes way for a better connection for that branch. Some of us might feel that we need a deep connection, but here's the truth. God, being that tree, had the deepest gash possible so that you and I could be grafted into him. He was wounded beyond belief for you and I to experience the hope that we have to give away. So right where you are, would you bow your head today? Do you need evil to be overcome? maybe around you or maybe you feel like it's in you? Do you see that evil has a grip on you today and no one's stepping in? If only somebody would step in, I could be awakened. I could be be awakened by that alarm you're talking about. But my friend, I want you to hear this today. Jesus stepped forward for you and said, forgive them, forgive you, Forgive them. You see, I'll become the unforgiving. I'll become the gossip. I'll become the slanderer. I'll become the murderer. I'll become the hater. I'll become the liar. I'll become the adulterer. I'll become the cheater. To make you pure and clean and to cover every single offense. Would you let our King meet you in the midst of maybe what you feel like is absolute evil and extend to you his goodness and cover you with his life. Father, I thank you for your truth today. And I thank you that our lives are You've offered to cover us, God, to meet us in our evil and not extend evil upon us, but give us good instead. Lord, thank you for loving us. And God, for the wounded soul in this this room is is truly hurt. Lord, I know that you wanna meet them right in their brokenness, right in that hurt. You wanna mend and heal And make whole. God, I pray just supernaturally that you would meet them right where they are. Lord, thank you that you've brought us together to worship. In Jesus' name.